podcaster. I hardly know her. (laughs) Meet Megan Bryant. She's an entrepreneur, a single mom of four young kids, a comedian, a super energetic improv trainer, and an award-winning author. Megan is passionate about creating happier, healthier human connections through humor. This podcast dives into all sorts of topics that tackle personal growth, professional strategies, and sharing positive messages to build up the communities around us. Each of us can make an impact. So keep in mind that you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Thank you for tuning in. This is the I Hardly Know Her podcast. And here's your host, Megan Bryant. I really like going to amusement parks and water parks. I love rides. Um, I don't love all of them. I love rides that go super fast, really high up. I like things that drop down out, like out from under you, kind of that losing your stomach feeling. I love roller coasters. I love going upside down. I do not like spinning, like side to side things. Um, I first learned that when I went on a ride called the Gravitron at the Western Idaho Fair in Boise, Idaho, when I was a teenager. And it's, it's like a spaceship looking thing that you lean against the padded wall and it spins, 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 spins super fast, like a top. And you are pushed against the wall from the force of the spinning and it's all well and good at the time. And then afterward, just the swirling, twirlingness of it. That is the only ride that has ever made me vomit. <laughs> and um, I've been on some other rides like that where the swirling happens. And I just, now I know from experience, I don't like it. So the same is true. Like now I've been to lots of different amusement parks and water parks and things over the years. And I know which ones I want to go for and the ones that are the faster, the higher, the whatever, the ones that seem like the most dangerous, um, as long as they go in like a forward motion and do upside down type of stuff. I love to be splashed with water, like even on roller coasters that have like um, tunnels of water and whatever else. So I already know which ones I want to go to. Sometimes when I'm at amusement parks and I'm with someone else, well, we take turns picking which ones we want to go on, or some of us um, don't go on them at all. If if I already know one that's going to ruin my day, like anything spinning and twirling around, um, I know that I will be, be out for the rest of the day. I get so motion sick even from watching my kids play video games. Um, so there's just certain things that I know are not going to go well. Um, and I learned that from experiencing all these different things. I was thinking about this actually last summer when I was at the water park with my oldest son and, um, of course the metaphor loving woman that I am, I was thinking about it as I went from each ride and, um, the waiting between and sometimes how much life kind of feels like this, like we might, um, be, working on something and we we know that we're heading towards a, a experience that we're looking forward to and um with a, like in my life like so much of my work is a variety of different types of projects and there's a lot of tasks between um the starting point and when you actually get to it right and so what some of them are well worth the wait some of the rides 
you might be in a long line, but the ride itself actually lasts for uh, uh, 30 seconds or a minute, a little bit longer than, say, one of them that is just uh, a lot quicker or less of an enjoying ex- or an enjoyable experience. And between those is like you're standing there in the sun. You got to find those patches of shade to keep your feet from roasting and blistering. And um, you're just out there all day getting your sunburned and everything. Um, or your screen. Here, what am I saying? Your skin sunburned. Man, I have a feeling there's going to be some maybe possibly incoherent sentences in this episode. But <clears throat> you kind of know, like from experience, what are you? What's what are you worth committing, or what's worth committing time to? What do you want to do that feels like really is going to have the best, bet, biggest bang for your buck and your time and. And then when you finally get there and it's so fun and you have that experience and we get a splash and have a delightful moment of the actual ride and then you're back at the bottom and then it's on to the next thing. And so I've been thinking about how much my life has been very reminiscent of like an amusement park. There's all these different experiences that have been really cool. Some of them have been less desirable than others. And now from all these different things that I've experienced, I really, really know what I love to do, <clears throat> where my skill set is the sharpest and what I can feel the most confident in the deliverable when I get to actually put my talents to work. And I know some of the things that are not my strengths. Now, some of them I can still do. There's some rides I'll do, like especially when I'm at a water park with my son, I let him pick a lot of the rides and they weren't necessarily all my favorite, and I, and yet I still could do it, and there was still some enjoyment and satisfaction of seeing <clears throat> the like the crossover. Like for example, instead of like beating around the bush, bush too much with the metaphor, I teach improv. Right, I've been doing improv for a long time. And I've done it in all different types of capacities. I've done it for relationship workshops. I've done it for youth groups, church groups, women's retreats, corporate environment. Um, I've taught it from the stage from big with big audiences where it's a little bit less interactive and more of like when I do my keynote speeches. Um, I've done all different age groups. I've done summer break, you know, like summer camps for youth. I've done, started up a high school troupe. I've... Um, done things that are a little bit even outside of the scope of writing scripts about things and using improv um, with doing video production for companies uh, and just all these different ways that I know improv works. It for sure works in all these different capacities, especially when people are willing to learn a new skill and um, have fun at the same time. I already know improv works in a ton of different capacities. I also know now from having done so many different applications of it, which ones I love the most and where I feel my soul come alive and my adrenaline is pumping and it's like my sweet spot of what what I can deliver in the most top premier space. And as you would expect, of course, even some of the same principles that I teach in improv, they have to be modified a little bit or I use different examples if I'm talking to, say, a youth group versus a corporate team Um, and because there's different life experiences and there's different frames of reference that they're currently currently functioning in. And And so, yeah, sure, I can toggle around and do those different things. 
Um, but the fine-tuned uh, machinery of where I love it the most is it's lost a little bit in those other spaces. And it actually takes quite a lot of energy for me to shift those gears and to pull the different references. And um, I'm sure that maybe sounds counterintuitive is like, well, if you're an improv professional, you should be able to just dart around to and from and everywhere and in between. And I have for many years and I can, it's just not as fun. It's not as, um, as uh, uplifting of an experience for me personally, because it is such an emotional investment for me. It is so important to me to have it be such a good human connecting experience that it is very draining to have to shift the gears so much. So all of that to say, all of these experiences have given me a very clear picture that my favorite place to teach improv is in the workplace. I've had gobs of experience working in corporate America um, in various different uh, various types of industries over the years. I've been in management. I always had supervisory roles in every job I've ever had ever since I started working at a Dairy Queen in high school. I always excelled in a way where people could rely on me and I was always really great with interacting with my teammates and the customers. And because of that, I have a really good um, scope of experience of being in that environment, even in present day. I have a job right now that I get to interact in a director role for a business center. And so it, I just know that when I am able to teach improv in this corporate space, it lights me up. I can feel the difference inside me when I am teaching um, because I know those pain points that they're experiencing with HR issues and with customer service and whatever else. And so I can really thrive in that space. And so to, to dial in and really have this laser focus, it's been a really hard lesson for me to learn. And one that I have been very, very intentional with, especially these past several months, because I know the things that I love the most. And now I know even more from uh, what the value really should be. Because unfortunately, along the way, as you may have heard, if you've listened to any of my past episodes, I did a whole episode about the value behind um, deliverables like this, especially where it's a service and how a lot of times over the years I'd been asked to do things for free because I was so passionate about it. And then I go into that space feeling like I have to prove my worth and people in turn don't know what the value is. And so they treat me like it is a worthless position, whether they mean to or not. So um, a couple of things I want to dial in on this episode Four different types of advice um, I was actually given, or giving, sorry. I was giving advice in a 48-hour time period. I had four separate contacts from people where I heard myself giving my insights. And you know, in, that, in these cases, they were straight up asking me for advice and my perspective on things based off of their understanding that I've been down these paths before. And as I was telling these people uh, advice and experiences I'd have, had in my life, I was so irritated with myself that I did not follow these bits of advice that I'd been giving them more religiously myself out of the gate because I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. So I want to talk about those different four nuggets of advice that I had been giving <clears throat> given to other people 
And then just a couple of steps that I've taken with refocusing for the things that I love the most so that I can thrive and feel my happiest, most well-balanced version of Megan, which in turn becomes the most uh, beneficial for my kids and for anyone else who comes in contact with me and really the uh, ultimately becomes a better um, deliverable for my work as an improv trainer. So the four things were this. Number one, someone asked me how to price appropriately for speaking gigs. Um, and I gave her advice that I have picked up over the course of the past, I don't know, I've been doing public speaking actually ever since I was young because I used to speak in church as a teenager. And then I used to MC events. I emceed talent shows and was on the stage a lot anytime I could be in high school. And then uh, just it was a natural progression for me to look for those opportunities to be on stage. It was a very uncomfortable transition and still uh, is sometimes an uncomfortable conversation about how to price for speaking because a lot of people will say, oh, we have this certain event and it's either a nonprofit event or it is something where we want to give you exposure because of your expertise in front of our audience and maybe they'll book you later, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the uh, people often, for some reason, either say they did not budget for a speaker and want to try to get something for free or I think sometimes they genuinely don't budget. They know because so many people want to be speakers these days is that people will continue to do things for free. And so then if they don't have to pay, then why would they? So that's number one was how to price for speaking. And I heard, I'm, just, I'm not going to go into like a massive depth on each of these conversations, but the most important little nuggets uh, that were what stood out to me is what I'm going to cover. And one of them was, um, that if you truly want to be a speaker or if you um, do have value, remember that someone is asking you to be part of their event because they've already been drawn to you for a reason. Either they've seen you speak or present or interact in your space of genius and your expertise before and they want that as part of their event, their conference or their breakout sessions or their whatever it is they're asking you for, they already see that there is a value. So the short version of that exper- of that um, advice is to ask if they have a budget and start from that point is, okay, if you see this value here, what is the expectation that you have around that of what you have already possibly earmarked for that? So that it at least, if nothing else, puts in their mind that they should be considering a monetary value to your expertise. And to not diminish in your own mind, like maybe you haven't spoken a lot or whatever, or maybe you have a lot and you're wanting to transition into where you can start asking for money. Like you already have something they need and it's worth paying for. And so what I told this friend of mine uh, was to make sure that the dialogue includes the fact that you are worth money. And whatever you're comfortable with, it becomes the next negotiating thing. And then to present it, like I will gather more information of how many people are going to be there. What is the dynamic of the rest of the event? Um, so that I can appropriately put a dollar, a dollar amount out there. When you ask for the budget, then you will probably hear uh, valuable information that you can then gear your answer towards of whether it is really worth your time. And if so, um, then you can say, hey, okay, well, you only have X amount available. Sure, I will do it. And then you get to lay some additional circumstances of what makes it worth your time. Um, so just... Uh, 
don't just fall into um, a place of doing things for free um, and expecting that you're going to be able to show someone how valuable you are. Instinctively, like the nature and the energy behind it when I've gone into a free gig um, where I feel like I have to prove my worth is so much different than when I am getting paid a solid paycheck because I have an expertise. And then I know that I'm already valued. It just changes a lot of that dynamic. The second thing was how to step into a possible career change and whether to take that risk and, um, and like, especially if it is like really a pivot in the type of work you're doing. Well, I've done that multiple times and the best advice and the thoughts that I've had on that and what works for me is that to get myself ready for those changes and to really be open to sometimes it being the sometimes the more drastic the change, the more amazing of an experience that has been for me. When I was ready to leave banking a long time ago, um, I didn't know where I wanted to go next. I just knew I was not feeling super happy um, doing banking anymore. I'd been doing it a long time. I'd had some kind of negative experiences in that space. I just am not a fan of math. Uh, I mean, there's some real basic things that I was like, eh, this isn't really my jam anymore. And so I just got myself ready. And um, at the time I was reading a book about home organization and getting your finances in control and blah, blah, blah. Like lots of things were all encompassed in this one book. And so while I had been kind of purging my closet at home, I also found joy in purging um, my desk at work. And and getting myself ready so that when I had all my client files ready so that as soon as an opportunity presented itself, I would be able to just jump ship confidently without, um, without feeling like it was going to miss a beat because I also have the sense of responsibility that I would never want to just leave a bunch of things hanging. And so the advice that I gave to this gal was, you know, where does this fall in line with your future goals? Like, is this something that um, like how happy are you in your current situation and to really consider um, a lot of different things that sometimes leaning into the really big, seemingly scary, risky changes could f- and could be and usually are very rewarding. So when I got myself already at the bank and I had fi- my files all in order, I had really good notes on everything. I took all my personal decorations home and I really just got my office ready. And within about a two or three week time period at the, whenever I had done that, I had someone reach out to me who I happened to bump into at a networking event And she was like, I don't even know if you're looking for another job, uh, but I ran into you a couple of weeks ago and I think you seem like you'd be a really great fit. And it was to totally shift gears and to go manage grants for FEMA for volunteer firefighter recruitment programs all over the country. And I would have never even known to look for something like that. There's just no way. So being out in the community and being um, trying to just be ready in life and open to the possibilities that I knew were probably around me landed a totally different uh, shift that I really enjoyed for the several years that I got to do that job with work that actually really I learned a lot of valuable lessons that are in play now, like event planning and managing huge marketing campaigns uh, all over the country to try to recruit volunteer firefighters. All these different elements that help me now in commercial production and understanding some of the things that are behind the scenes 
means of messaging things to Joe Public to help them understand what goods and services you're selling. And of course, that stuff is valuable for me as I sell myself and my own brand to book Megan Bryant for comedy gigs or for my improv workshops or to buy my book, you know, all these different things. So just being super open to the opportunity and so and leaning into what kind of feels like the fearful moments um, to see what kind of a big impact that could be. The third one was talking to a friend who kept spreading herself really thin because she is, like many of us, a jack of many, many trades um, and can step in and adapt to a lot of different roles. She's very much this amazing process person. She can see how to be more efficient, uh, loves to learn new things. Um, and so she can do a lot of different things. And I know a lot of people that can fall into this category. And because of that, we tend to get very spread thin because we are putting our resources on a lot of different things instead of really choosing the things we love the most that we excel the most at and only allowing those tasks into our space. So I talked with this friend of mine and we ended up, um, she told me the different things she had on her plate, um, kind of on a contract basis with doing things almost like personal assistant type of tasks and and she as she was telling me these things, which ones she likes doing, what she doesn't like doing, and what she doesn't like about those tasks, I could already tell in the sound of her voice and the energy behind it of what what she loves to do versus what she doesn't. And even in the space of the unknown, because there's some of it where she's like, oh, maybe I should go back to school or maybe I could do um, learn something else, have different certifications. And kind of in that same way, like trying to prove a value so that people um, like maybe there's a different perception of what you would be worth in a certain type of a job. Uh, The truth was, though, in that moment, she was so spread thin and getting stressed out about tasks that were actually a little bit more complicated than had been originally presented to her. And it was not filling her cup. It was, in fact, making her really stressed out. And I could totally relate to that. And so, you know, we're all so good at giving people advice of saying what you should do, even though it's hard sometimes for us to swallow. So I loved hearing this for myself in the discussion of saying, hey, the things you don't love doing that no like really no amount of money for the long run or maybe even in the moment is worth it if it is something that is not a strength of yours or that brings you joy or whatever it is if you ever have these moments of just like loathing that is not a good sign that you should continue doing it um so we had had that conversation about whatever the things are you get to pick and choose the stuff that you want to do and when you get those opportunities to clear your calendar of hours and hours and hours of stuff that you don't love to do even if you can do it Um, we're missing out on opportunities to really dial in on the things that we can thrive the most at and really feel um, encouraged by and happy about and, and even more motivated to go and continue to do more and more of these awesome things that make us happy. So helping her in saying no to certain clients and that immediate application for me has been so important because I've been kind of in scrambling mode for a long time. I've been so fractionated with trying so many different things and feeling a need to take certain gigs that I knew my deliverable was still going to be so much more time and energy than I was getting paid for because I I just personally have a value uh, on my own work and I want people to know that I 
care about what I do and that I take pride in my work and that I want to have a good reputation in my life and the projects that I touch. And so I have said no lately to people. And Well, not necessarily a straight up no, but I have drawn the line for myself of gigs I'm unwilling to take because they either don't pay enough for what I need or they are not with people I can work with. Some people or experiences I know are so difficult for me that I will be upset and sad and bitter um, and I have to rebound from that if it's a space where I know I'm working with someone who is just not a good energy for me to be around. And so I'm really actually not saying no. I'm saying yes with very specific boundaries. I'm putting bids out to people with the amount of money that it should be for that contract. And if they don't take it, okay, it's on to the next one because there are people that are willing to pay when they understand the value of what I am offering. And the same is true for you. And the same is true for my friend who is so talented and so smart and has been taken advantage of uh, in multiple cases that I'm aware of with her career. And there's just no time for that. Like we need to um, be willing to be laser focused on the things that we know we're good at and just stay true to that scope. The fourth thing was, um, I kind of touched on this already once, but just to reinforce, uh, facilitating in the regards to facilitating events that I don't love to do. So I was actually teaching a class that I get a little bit nervous about teaching because it's just not my wheelhouse. It's something that I can teach because it goes with a PowerPoint and it's materials that have been prepared for me to teach. And so I am just like the personality delivering it. And I can feel though when I am not in my truest element and I'm kind of faking my way through it. And so just because I can do something, this is a very powerful lesson that I've learned, is that just because I can do it does not mean I should do it. And um, and so being really particular about the types of things that I will put my name on um, is really important. Because also if a company hires me to do something, it I want that company to look good too. I want them to know that by hiring me, that, that confidence um, in me being able to deliver only under the understanding that I get to do it my way. A couple of years ago, I did some improv classes for these executives. It was, a, it was several different groups of people who were, they were all CEOs of their own companies for this organization. And I did three different sessions. Uh, two of them were in Florida. One was in Phoenix. And one of the organizers, one of the, or like a leader of one of these groups of CEOs, she wanted to have dinner with me the night before. She wanted to see my list of activities and have me explain them all to her in these improv, these improv sessions. And then she wanted to tell me every detail about all of her CEOs and what their personality types were and what their company struggles were and what their interactions were like together. And I was like, this is too much information. I'm like, I can't, you're just, you need to just let it be what it is. Like I kind of told her, but not with as much confidence as I have now, because this is years ago. But I, I know how to, I know that it works. I know how to deliver my workshops. I know what the takeaways are supposed to be and how to unpack with people. And, and this woman who was not an expert in teaching improv 
was trying to manipulate it so much that she wanted me to specifically tailor takeaways for these people. And I can't do that. I can facilitate an exercise in a way that allows people, if they are willing, to have moments of discovery for themselves where it is their idea. People only change when it is their idea. And so for her to come in and just throw all these wrenches into it and try to manipulate it. And I'm like, boy, this is about as opposite of improv as possible is for you to try to have me cater it. And during the session the next day, as the unpacking was happening, she kept stepping in and over overriding things I was uh, like what I was unpacking or not necessarily overriding, but kept adding on to it. And so she kept interjecting her own thoughts in such a large volume that we didn't even get to like the the last like five or six activities that I'd had in this like three hour session because it had been just hijacked. And so after that point and forevermore, if people want, like if people want to know how the exercises will go, I will give them a little bit of information, but with a very specific explanation of the overall process that they have to just trust it. They have to let it be what it is supposed to be for that group. It will naturally go the route it's supposed to. And that them as the facilitator uh, or the leader in that group, they also need to be participating while I facilitate. Um, and, And I'm very firm on it because I already know how that'll shake down. So that was the fourth step or the fourth conversation in a short period of time was uh, literally me experiencing um, me doing something just because I could, even though it was outside of my frame of genius. And I hated it. I hated it in the moment. I felt like a fraud. I felt like this is uh, really not where I want to be. Um, and so the next little section here that I wanted to talk about is some of these things that I've been doing to help um hone in that focus to keep that laser focus on the things that I love and that I'm super good at. And that I know that when I step off of those stages or out of those training sessions, I get swarms of people coming up to talk about it and to ask for more information or to follow up with other things because I know how to make it work the way that I, that I, Megan Bryant can teach it and deliver it. And Um, so to reinforce, like just because I can do it doesn't mean I should. And so one of the things that I do is I do a big mind dump from time to time where I I actually get out these giant sticky notes. I'm looking at one right now, actually two of them right now on my floor that a while ago, a few months ago, um, I did these two different sticky, big giant sticky poster notes, um, post-it notes. Well, they're poster size, whatever. And I I listed out every single thing, every project, every improv related thing, um, everything that I've done for my business center job, uh, everything in my creative space that I've done in the last 12 to 18 months so that I could see how laser focused am I really being? <laughs> it's a little um, overwhelming. There's some color coding going on here because there's a lot. And just to list a few, there's a lot on here. I showed a friend and he was like, there's 18 things on here. Uh, that's a lot. And that's like some of these are bullets that have even more tasks within them. So I've got books I'm working on. I've published one, but I have three other books that are in the works. Um, And that's probably why none of the three of them are published again, because 
they started to sort of, I would just write and write and write. And then it turned out that some of them topically didn't really flow together. So then I separated them into more books. Um, there's been several huge events that I've um, facilitated, meaning I actually coordinated the events, had the presenters and the performers, um, the audiovisual components, all these different elements of event production, filling the seats, the marketing, the, gra- the design and branding and all that. I've done keynote speaking. I've done this podcast you're listening to. I do live stream coaching with a company uh, called Improv Video, um, teaching improv insights merged with live streaming and other video production elements. Um, I've hosted mastermind sessions. I launched a high school improv troupe. I have merchandise for my improv stuff. I do these certain gigs um, with a company that hires me to um, do comedy shows for their clients. I've done team building events. I've done public, like open to the public improv classes that just general public can sign up for. I've done um, uh, another relationship uh, event where I did improv for um, personal development and how to interact with uh, people in a romantic space, which I've obviously learned some hard lessons in that way. I've done... Oh gosh, guys, there's so many things on here. Uh, why, another one woman show, some stuff I did for the adoption agency I serve on the board of directors for. I do stand up comedy still. Um, anyway, there's all these things. There's still a handful of other things, and now my brain is about to melt. The point is, I can do a lot of these things. I've had such an incredible amount of experience um, from things that were a lot of them very self inflicted. Other times I hear someone say, Ooh, this is an idea. You should do youth groups over spring break. Okay. So then boom, I get it all loaded up and build an event and, and make the time on the venue and all these different things. And great. Yes, I can do these things. And so many of these I've learned lessons again, as I talked about earlier, like because I've done so many different things, I know for sure the things that I don't want to do. I just don't love them. And I know the things that I really want to do. And so having that all out on paper in front of me has been remarkably helpful for me to clarify and, and say, yes, even though I will probably continue to be asked all the time to do different types of things because people don't know. People see the parts of what I do and they, they are excited about it. They want me to be part of their events, which I love that and I'm so grateful for it. And I know that I will best serve those people if I am realistic about it fitting into the exact super duper refined focus of what I want to do. And I have a lot of really talented friends and acquaintances who do things that I don't want to do, that teach the youth groups of improv, that teach just the performance style for people who want to have a student show at the end of their classes. There's a lot of things that I know that I can help pass along to other people who are doing that. And then we get to be successful together. Um, And so I love and hate that I have done so many different things because years ago, I just thought, okay, I'm going to just keep trying all of these things. And I knew I had to work super hard. And most commonly, I was always working another full-time day job while I was doing these things that I loved as a hobby uh, out of necessity. The option for me to just be a stay-at-home mom was never an opportunity for me. And so I just knew that I was going to have to take a little bit longer route to get to where I wanted to be. And in fact, when I first did stand-up comedy, I was 29 years old. 
and I loved it. My first set was like a three-minute set in a comedy club in Meridian, Idaho, and I had no prepared material. I just told some little stories and was goofy, and I loved it, and I knew that in order for me to um, excel in comedy, I was going to have to do it on the side, and I was going to have to be patient and work really, really hard and go a a super roundabout way, or at least that was what I chose to do because of the responsibilities I had with providing for a household and being a mom and being a wife and the things that I had going on in my life then. And so I couldn't just give all that up and and go be on open mics every night that I wanted to. And I made it work because luckily, that story I told you earlier about being ready to leave my banking job and getting the job where I was managing um, grant grants for Department of Homeland Security, these FEMA grants, we, I got to travel all over the country. Our little agency, we had clients all over the country, like in 14 states at one point or something like that. And, um, and so I got to travel all around the country on government money. And at the end of the day, I could go find a comedy club or sometimes I would actually get to book shows and I would do my very best to keep working towards my goals while I was doing things out of necessity. And so now I, I, I um, oh, so I was going to say, I remember when I was 29 that I knew it was going to be this challenging, more of a challenging road and less straightforward. And at the time there wasn't even like a whole bunch of like the social media aspect of things and being able to connect with people that way. And I thought, man, if I keep working really, really, really hard and staying focused and being very true to myself, then I'm really setting myself up for some super successful 40s. And I just had my 39th birthday and I'm feeling a lot of emotions lately because I always do because I'm such a a softie. Um, But lately I've had some really amazing experiences of some very fun um, gigs where I I get to teach in some really good companies, like really big um, corporate environments. Uh, also with schools, I've done some workshops, like still with a workplace theme, uh, but for college students, um, who are actually, you know, like at a community college where these people also have day jobs and different things like that. And, um, these speaking gigs that are right up my alley and I've had some really super fun comedy gigs. And so I know exactly where I want to be from now on with having everything in the scope of, creating happier, healthier human connections through humor. I know how to do it. I know how to have fun, how to entertain people, how to interact with people. And I finally have just been um, kind of pulling out the stops out from my own self. I justify myself a lot by being like, okay, well, if I do this and this and this, and then, you know, I can do a four-week class and have 10 people sign up and if everyone signs up for that, I can pay my rent for the month. And, and really, that's a, been a disservice to me to spread myself so thin that not only does it eat up the time that I get to be home with my kids while they're young, um, and, and that, hurt, that hurts me in more ways than one when uh, they're growing so fast and I want to be as present as possible. Um, and if I can make the same amount of money in one corporate gig, that takes takes 90 minutes to three hours maybe, depending on which package they choose or if I'm just speaking or whatever. If I can do that and make more in that 90 minutes than I can in a four-week session of improv open to the public, like as, as much as I love teaching improv in all these different capacities that I can do it, I definitely 
should not keep doing that to myself where I just feel like I'm owing it to so many other people um, because people, you know, one or two people will say, oh, I've been wanting to take your class. And then I just keep booking these these sessions. And then sure enough, you know, the, the people, those same people often don't end up even coming. Um, and so it's, we just have to stop spinning our wheels for other people. The more laser focused we can be on our passion and the things that are our, our sweet spot and the stuff that is like that best deliverable, the better. I am so fortunate to have had so many cool experiences and in this, in the type of work that I do, I mean, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Even as I'm sitting here, like I happen to just have extra time this weekend, um, because I was supposed to be working out of town and because of this whole coronavirus situation, uh, the conference I was supposed to be keynoting at yesterday was canceled and suddenly a paycheck I was counting on isn't coming and two other gigs that I was going to be doing today while I was in, in Twin Falls, Idaho, uh, those also got canceled. And so, um, it's, uh, it's just an interesting thing to see, um, how much, you know, so I have this extra time, so I'm busting out a podcast because I love doing this and, and a podcast, um, uh, whatever it fuels me and something I can quickly do on my own when I actually get some time. Um, and, and then I'm working on commercial scripts for a commercial shoot I have coming up this week. So there's still some of this, like spreading myself on all these different projects. Um, and yet I feel super blessed that I've gotten the opportunity to learn so many different things in the creative space as a comedian of how I get to use that performance in a lot of different, um, a lot of different skill or applying that skill differently to writing things, writing news articles, writing magazine articles about just playful things, writing, um, TV scripts and all these different things. And, oh, I feel like I'm getting a little bit tangenty. Um, my point is like the time is now that some of these things actually are shifting either out of the scope or only, um, if they are going to be financially worth my time because some companies, Again, it's like a totally different thing. Some companies will pay me um, four, four or five times the amount for one single commercial than some low-paying, locally produced things. And what's very funny about that is the very low-paying ones usually ask me to do my own hair and makeup, wear my own clothes for wardrobe. Uh, I often help write scripts for those ones that are the low-production produ- low, low Um, and those are a lot of work and a lot of stress for me and the lowest pain. Whereas the other ones that are more, um, streamlined, like an actual advertising agency, they will just pay me three, four, five times as much to just show up and do the commercial and just be the talent, not writing the script, not having to do my own hair and makeup, not bringing my own clothing for wardrobe. Um, well, I mean, occasionally sometimes, but for the wardrobe part, but it depends. I've also been given wardrobe and outfitted many times. Um, and so really just seeing that, like, uh, I get to make those decisions. We get to make those decisions of where we're going to put our time and effort, um, and best use our talents, um, when, whenever possible. Um, and I, not only has it, has it been awesome and exciting to be able to try so many different things and really dial in on what I love the most. I also just am so grateful to have really cool family and friends who support me. Um, and when I get last minute gigs to help keep my household afloat financially, 
Um, you know, I have a sister that lives in the neighborhood over uh, who just has my back and, and loves my kids. And my mom is such a great help. And I have awesome babysitters who make it as affordable as possible. And it's just, um, it's just awesome. I just, I guess I just wanted to give a quick shout out while I'm sitting here feeling like, hmm, I have this, all this extra time this weekend, uh, when I was planning on working and getting paid and I'm using that time to continue creating and focusing in on what the next steps are so that I can thrive because dang it, I'm on that home stretch. I'm about to turn 40. I'm less than a year out now from 40 and it's going to be an awesome decade. I already know it. And I, I hope the same for you. Like sometimes life feels really overwhelming and monotonous and we get stuck in these jobs that we hate and we get, um, stuck in circumstances sometimes for a little while that are unpleasant. And, and just what I continue to learn from that is that we get to make those shifts. We have to put in the hard work to keep growing and learning about ourselves and to maintain, you know, a positive relationships with people as we depart different things in our lives, either personally or professionally. Uh, I feel really strongly that we should take advantage of the experiences that we have and then really lean into the things that allow us to be our truest self and have a positive mindset and hope and back it up with consistent effort and passion to make things happen. Um, and we really can, as cheesy as it is, like I'm such a sucker for, for motivational quotes and things like that, but I'm all about mindset and I'm all about um, really putting out into the world what I want to see more of in the world. Um, so you can be the change you wish to see in the world and, and it will trickle over into all the areas of your life that you want to see things improve. Um, and I know it's true cause I've experienced it and I'm really excited to be making some other really big shifts in my life. Um, and making the most of the time that I have here and living in a, a, a an energy of, of purpose and being proactive instead of, um, kind of the panic and uncertainty that sometimes comes from life. So thank you for taking the time as always to listen to my podcast. I super appreciate it, um, that you're willing to do that. And if you've been enjoying my podcast, I would really love if you haven't already to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening and feel free to give me a positive rating. That is super helpful. Um, I honestly don't look at them a whole lot because it makes me feel weird. Um, and I'm always afraid I'm going to see some negative reviews. Uh, but if you have been enjoying my podcast, it would be really awesome and helpful. Uh, if you wanted to hook me up with uh, a positive review and uh, as many stars as you can possibly dole out, I would super love you. Um, and uh, yeah, so get that laser focus, keep your heart beating towards the, the stuff that makes you happy and, um, and keep that laser, laser focus on the things that you love to do. And the rewards will come in ways that you will never even, you would never be able to imagine it on your own. I know that is something that I've experienced time and time again, and it makes, um, life really enjoyable. So, Giddy up, zappity doop bop beep beep, laser it in.
Thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. You can follow along with all of Megan's shenanigans at meetmeganbryant.com. I'm Sean Hancock with RecycledMindsComedy.com. Hey guys, this episode is one that I've been actually making notes on for quite a while, uh, relating just how much it feels like I put myself all these different directions in life and try to uh, make things work with my bizarro scope of my career as a comedian and performer and entertainer um, and how much I have been so diligent on focusing in on just what I really love to do. So I've learned some interesting lessons um, with my scope of work over the years. And of course, I like to relate this to uh, something metaphorically because, you know, I love metaphors. Uh, And so I do a little bit of that in this episode as well as Um, go through a list of four different very specific experiences that I had and conversations um, that happened in about a 48-hour time period recently that I was just like, huh, okay, okay, universe, you're showing me some signs. You're telling me uh, exactly what I need to be hearing by having people ask me things about things that I should be doing for myself, if that even makes sense. Anyway, uh, thanks for taking time to listen to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. It is always such a pleasure to know that you guys are putting your listening ear juices on this, and I greatly appreciate appreciate it. So here's to this episode uh, being laser-focused.